I was born in Jersey City. I grew up in Los Angeles, also in Chicago, where my parents still live. I went to the school at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. I momentarily lived in Lawrence, and then I lived in Italy, uh, in Rome for eight years. I ministered in St. Louis, so I've been in different places. I was actually baptized with my family when I was three years old in Los Angeles. That's why I don't take baptism for granted. The greatest day of my life, July 13th, 1987, as a three-year-old. So I'm so, so grateful to be Catholic. 1 John 4.10 In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. And sent his son as expiation for our sins. Good evening, I'm Father Edward Ann. <laughs> Sisters, I'm so grateful to be with you this evening. And I'm so excited for you because I'm convinced that one of the most courageous things that we can do is to lean into our fears and lead with our scars, leading with our vulnerability. It's because when we are vulnerable, it opens and it allows others and it gives others permission to be vulnerable. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ does on the cross, right? Who can be intimidated by a God who dies for us, who exposes his woundedness for us, and by his wounds, we are healed. And I want to share with you just the unfathomable, unfathomable healing that I've experienced. And this isn't just my story. This is everyone's story. God wants this for everyone. And that's why I'm so excited. The Lord has put this on my heart, especially in the last two years. In a lot of spiritual direction, and a lot of prayer, the Lord has revealed that this is the particular mission that he's inviting me to for the rest of my life. The deep, deep healing that the Lord wants to offer for us and the great Joy and the great news and the great hope that that offers to us. I have such a deep love for the sacrament of reconciliation, and I'm such a firm believer that the sacrament of con- con- confession is such a beautiful experience of God's unconditional love. I explained to children that unconditional love is really simple, it means that God loves you forever no matter what. It's so simple, and I tell them, I've been through a lot of schooling, studied a lot of things, but the most important thing I've learned is that God loves me no matter what. And I said, you need to hold that as the most precious pearl that you've ever received. And that unconditional love is what heals us of the what I call the universal rejection wound. And I'll get to that a little bit later. But by God's grace, I've been able to prioritize the sacrament of reconciliation in my life. So as a penitent, I've received the sacrament of reconciliation about 800 times and counting. I go to confession weekly. Uh, Right now it's Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Because as a priest, I can offer absolution for the forgiveness of sins to every person on earth save one, and that's my own. And that's why I, too, need to be on the other side of the confessional, on my knees, as a penitent. And I've experienced such extraordinary healing there. 
I mentioned a thesis statement, which I believe if we kind of examined it, you wouldn't really have to argue with. And it is that the universal human fear is the fear of rejection. The fear that if people knew how I really am, they would not like me, let alone love me. And this fear is evidenced by our secrets and tendency to hide anything that is less than flattering, embarrassing, or it makes me look bad. I mean, think about it. Who of us willingly takes a picture of ourselves the moment we wake up or when we go to the bathroom and post it on social media? We just don't do this, right? We have a tendency to only present a nice, presentable part of us. Because the fear is if people saw me in that, there's no way that they would like me, let alone love me. Don't we see something that's so symptomatic, and that is this tendency to try to earn God's love. This tendency that I need to be worthy and I need to hide certain things for fear that if people really knew the real story. So what is the remedy for this universal human fear of rejection? Well, the only remedy, the only antidote is God's unconditional love of a God who loves us forever, no matter what. I want to share with you such a healing prayer exercise in my life when I was a freshman at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. And it was at a time when I was kind of stuck and struggling to believe and receive God's love for me. You know, I understood it intellectually, but it just wasn't penetrating. There was a, a block, and I, I, I didn't know what to do. And so God himself really inspired the, the following prayer exercise. And he was guiding my imagination, and we would say imaginative prayer, as St. Ignatius of Loyola would refer to. And in this prayer exercise, God revealed a glimpse of his own heart, moments before he created me within my mother's womb. And in those moments before my conception, he made me aware that he knew all the sins I would commit during my lifetime, even before he created me. That there were no hidden costs for God in creating me. He knew exactly what he was getting into when he began hashtag Project Edward. <laughs> that no one was strong-arming God into creating me, but he had total freedom. That if he didn't want to create me, he could have easily avoided doing so if he thought hashtag not worth it. But the reality is, he did create me. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. That he literally loved me into existence. And that is for all of us. He loves all of us into existence. It's not just this nice saying, but it's the reality. It's founded in theology. And if God can love me, even in knowing all my sins, weaknesses, limitations ahead of time, even before he created me, what greater freedom could there possibly be than to know that I truly am loved for who I am, that I'm loved unconditionally, I'm loved forever no matter what. There is no greater healing than to know that you are loved for who you are by the one who created you and loved you into existence. Such tremendous healing in my life. 
And if you ever read or pray with the lives of the saints, they live from this place of deep security because security comes from the love of God. And when we're not deeply rooted in the love of God, we live in insecurity, right? Welcome to anyone who has a pulse. God's secure love obliterates all insecurities and obliterates those diabolical lies, those lies that come from the enemy, the lie that I'm unlovable, that I have no value, that I'm not loved, that I'm not enough, that I'm not good, or that I'm bad, etc. And what could be more healing in dealing death blows to this universal fear of rejection and the lies associated with it? than the healing power of confession where God reminds me of the truth of his unconditional love that he heals me of this wound of rejection because he already knew all of our sins, all of them, even before we committed them. Just ponder that for like a few hours. What does that do for you? The desire to be firmly rooted in the truth of his unconditional love in a practical way in receiving the sacraments of confession is the primary motive for why I receive the sacrament of confession 800 times and counting. It is to be secure in the love of God and to experience freedom from insecurity, which we're all too familiar with. I also want to share an extraordinary healing in my life that took place actually just last November. And it was a healing of this massive, massive 30-year wound that occurred, began when I was six years old. And I want to testify, there's, it's actually such good news, and that's why I'm so convicted to share it of this 30-year childhood wound that wreaked havoc in my life in the form of such deep insecurity. And just to clarify, you know, my parents are wonderful. They didn't abandon me. So if I share with people, you know, really it's rooted in an abandonment wound that the Lord revealed to me. Some people think like, wow, what terrible parents did you have? And that's just not the case. They were wonderful parents. They were beautiful parents, which is why it took me so long to detect it because I was kind of protective and thinking, well, certainly my parents were really great parents, so clearly I couldn't have had an abandonment wound. But the thing is, it's not so much my parents, but rather how the enemy can attack a vulnerable child, and that's what he does. But there's such tremendous good news. And so there weren't any red flags from my experience. And so the memory that the Lord guided me on was something that I was already familiar with, but he actually pr uh, led me in prayer. Last November, he brought me back to this memory as a six-year-old when I was living in Los Angeles. I was in first grade, and we were in a classroom setting, and we were all taking turns reading out loud out of a book. And it was my turn to read, and I simply didn't know how to read. And it wasn't that I froze and I just momentarily got choked up. It's that like I flat out did not know how to read. Like I wouldn't know how to begin how to read. 
And again, truth be told, no one teased me or humiliated me. So there was nothing external about that situation that made me feel humiliated. But I felt just so lost. And the lie that the enemy spoke to me as a six-year-old that the Lord revealed to me 30 years later was that you are all alone. And that was the lie that I believed. And that's what the abandonment's wound means. It's the lie that attacks my identity that you are all alone. And that was such a deep place of insecurity. So it began with this lie, abandonment's I am all alone. And if I'm all alone, well, clearly something is wrong. I don't know how to read. And that's something I should know how to do because everyone else knows how to read. And so consequence to that, it was the lie of shame. Now, shame can take on different forms. But for me, the lie that was spoken was that it's my fault. And this resonated so deeply with me because when the Lord revealed this, this hit me like a ton of bricks. My entire life, I have always blamed myself for anything that goes wrong. And it makes sense, right? If you believe that you're alone and something goes wrong, you're just going to presume that it's clearly your fault. You have no one else to blame. You're the only person that's responsible. My entire life, I've always blamed myself And I saw just what an insidious lie. And I got so angry in a good way because I was experiencing Jesus's anger towards the enemy of how he had deceived me all of these years in thinking that everything that goes wrong is my fault. And that's a lie. You know, I'm responsible for some things, but I'm definitely not responsible for all the evil and all the havoc that occurred in my life. So abandonment the lie that I'm alone, shame that it's my fault, that I don't know how to read. And within that, the lie of rejection, the wound that, and this is much more common for for men, it is the lie that I'm not good enough. Because as guys, we tend to see our value and our self-worth and our ability to do things. Right. So the fact that I didn't know how to read as a six year old, the lie that was spoken to me was not just like, hey, Edward, you know, I guess you're not a very good good reader or you'll learn. It was you don't know how to read and you are bad. Your identity at its core, you are not good enough. And that is the deepest place of insecurity. Right. Rejection. If we truly believe that we are going to go insane. We cannot live with that. And we're going to go at any length to try to prove that I am good enough. To prove that I am worthy, right? Living out of that place of insecurity. And so I share this because it's so important. The enemy strikes with his lies. And I was so grateful that the Lord revealed all these lies that were at work as a six-year-old. You think about what happens... If you have weeds, but if you pull out weeds only above ground, right? We know what happens. If you don't address the roots, it's just going to keep coming back. 
And so for me, I saw different ways in which I was trying to prove that I sh- I'm I should be lovable by through self-reliance, right? I'm just going to work really, really hard and try to prove that I'm good enough, etc. So I saw all of these symptoms, but I didn't know the roots. And so the Lord in his mercy showed me that all of this occurred as a six-year-old, these lies. And so the Lord himself guided me in an inner healing prayer. So I was able to, with the assistance of Jesus, to go back and to renounce the lies because the lies have such an impact, right? Because belief is the most powerful thing. And our beliefs can either be rooted in lies or in truths. Now, lies that come from the enemy and truths that come from the Lord. Because our beliefs impact how I think, my worldview, my perception. My speech, how I live life. In essence, it affects everything. And the enemy knows this. And this is why he always strikes with lies, traumatic lies. And this is why the first work, if we want to ask the Lord for deep healing in our life, Jesus, reveal the lies that the enemy is pushing on me, those traumatic lies. And here's the thing. Satan, as Jesus says, is a liar from the beginning. He's a pathological liar. He is an emotional abuser, a verbal abuser, And therefore, we need to ask the Lord, Jesus, reveal to me what are those lies so that in renouncing them, Jesus, in your name, I can receive the truth in its place. And if I can receive the truth at its origin, he can affect healing at its source. It's like rooting out the weed at its source, at its origin. And so that's what the Lord was able to do. So he brought me back last year as a six-year-old 1990 in Los Angeles and he brought me back there as a six-year-old, my six-year-old hearts and to be able to renounce Jesus in your name I renounce the lie that I'm all alone because you actually are with me here Jesus, I renounce the lie that the fact that I don't know how to read is my fault or any subsequent thing that goes wrong in my life is automatically my faults. And Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm not good enough. And Jesus, I embrace the truth that it is your love alone, your love alone that makes me good enough. And so the Lord was able to affect that healing at its source. And I was able to also renounce this vow, we might say, this self-made promise, this inner vow that I made out of a place of fear in trying to prove that I can't that I am worthy that I just need to work myself to death and I just need to work really really hard in life and then I can prove that I'm actually lovable in the eyes of others so renouncing that lie because it's operating out of a place of insecurity and not freedom and Jesus always wants us to operate out of freedom 
So renouncing that diabolical self-reliance and instead receiving the Lord's loving providence and being secure and rooted in His love. And so specifically in my memory as a six-year-old, the Lord brought me to how was he going to practically affect this healing? Also affectively, right? Because it's not just like the, a cerebral exercise, right? We're not just like mind-melding, right? We, we have an experience. So how is the Lord going to deeply heal me? And it has to engage my intellect, will, and passions affectively, right? My emotions. And so the Lord... He brought that healing about through the Holy Mother of God. Because for me, that's just how the Lord delivers His love for me, is through the Holy Mother. I know she's not God, but God just loves me through her. So the best way that God loves me, and the best way that I experience security uh, in God's love, is through her presence. And so, He brought me back to that place as a six-year-old, and she was present, and so I knew I wasn't alone. And so I was able to receive the truth that I am not all alone in this place. And then she proceeded like a sweet and loving mother to teach me how to read, like sounding out letters, the, what I didn't have, right? I didn't have that accompaniment. And it's, it's so much de- uh, deeper than simply learning how to read, right? It's so impactful because... It reaches me in my most vulnerable place, right where I was attacked when I was most vulnerable as a six-year-old. And so that healing that I was able to experience was just so unfathomable. Now, someone might ask, hey, Father Redward, nice story, but um, life doesn't work like that. You can't just think your way through healing. You know, you can't go back to the year 1990 in Los Angeles. It doesn't work that way. Well, I would, I would agree that we can't do that by ourselves, right? Psychological introspection, it just doesn't work that way. However, God can. Because God lives outside of space and time. So for God, 2020 in Overland Park, last year for me, or 1990 in Los Angeles, I mean, it's, all, it's all the same. He's God. All things are present to him. So the key is God. I can't do this, but if I'm connected to God, he can literally do that. He can literally heal me where I was wounded at its origin. And how do I know? There's got to be a litmus test, right? It's the litmus test that Jesus himself offers. By their fruits, you will know them. A good tree will produce good fruit. A rotten tree will produce rotten fruits. And the healing that I was able to experience was immediate. It was overwhelming. It was unbelievable. And I was just so giddy for weeks. And it continues. And this is a healing that's not just for me. And the Lord wanted to just launch this massive healing for me so that I could be so passionate about communicating the healing power of Jesus Christ, that this is possible for everyone. Like, it's hard to explain how the enemy wreaked havoc in my life for 30 years. You're just so accustomed to it. Like, you can't even identify it because 
if it even occurs before the age of reason, you just think that that's like the normal way of operating until the Lord reveals the truth. And so I'm so deeply grateful to the Lord. And I would invite you to be open to that type of inner healing work that the Lord wants to offer. And a wonderful resource that helped me already begin this deeper healing journey in 2016 was through Dr. Bob Shooks and Be Healed. And I offered his name, his book, his different resources in the handouts. And so I want to simply conclude with the scripture verse I began with of the primacy of God's love. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as expiation for our sins. Amen.